Well, we're here. Welcome to uh, another edition of the Blue Mountain Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Joining alongside me, as always, Seth Varnador and Robert Stieg. And then uh, this this week, we're joined by Nick Simon of DK Nation and the Daily Stampede, uh, who I feel like after the last couple of weeks uh, has some hashtag thoughts that he wants to get off his chest tonight. Uh, and we'll we'll discuss uh, you know everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks. Uh, first and foremost, hopefully, you know, everybody's doing as well as can be expected after the hurricane. Uh, Seth, you didn't have internet until what late last night? Yeah, late, uh, late. like 11 o'clock last night, just about. So, so I, I know you went through, you were in a mandatory evacuation zone, if I'm not mistaken, and you, uh, you, you fled to Disney, which is, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty, it's a pretty smart move. Yeah, it was uh it was I figured they'd have uh places to eat and uh be pretty safe and it turned out to be a pretty good decision overall. Uh not perfect, but uh we did get trapped and uh, there's like five or six I4 exits that were <laughs> flooded so you couldn't even get on I4, but overall, good decision on my part. If the track didn't move, uh my house would have got wiped off the map, so um, got lucky that it did go south, but unfortunately, that means it went to other people. So, right, it, one of those things, right? Where we're so thankful that it didn't hit our area, but that just means someone else got completely destroyed. And uh, seeing those, seeing those pictures and stuff uh, from the Fort Myers area um, and and below, it's just it's really tough. Um, our thoughts are with them as they kind of pick up the pieces. Uh, to their life and start over. I think Ford Myers is basically going to have to do a complete rebuild uh, in places like that. I know the vacation spot that I go to Palm Island, they got, they got hit pretty hard uh, down there. So um, tough to see uh, that happen. Um, but I guess let's get to um, lighter news, I guess, lighter topics. Um, so USF, in theory, has played football twice in the last two weeks. Uh, they lost because we, we didn't have a podcast last week. Uh, they did lose to Louisville. If you guys if you guys weren't caught up, uh, they lost to Louisville uh, forty one to three. They kicked a sad field goal at the start of the fourth quarter of that game uh, because they you know they had a new uh, special teams unit. They wanted to, they wanted. To, Get them a game rep, so good for them. Uh, and then last week, uh, they were down 41-7, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to ECU in Boca Raton as the game got moved from Ray J due to the hurricane. Uh, they ended up winning the second half, 21-7. to uh, Jeff Scott is now 8-14-1 uh, all-time in second halves. Uh, so that's really good for the Bulls. Unfortunately, he is still uh, one in 22 in FBS games uh, as USF head coach uh, as they fall to the Pirates 48-28 in a game that the score is so misleading. It's not even funny. I'll open the floor. Opening comments for whoever wants to dig in. We've we've got some things that we're going to have to unpack here tonight. I uh, when Seth, when you were giving that very heartfelt uh uh, monologue there about the um the disaster and everything like that and the first thing that i see from a comment is poop pants to the waistband <laughs> and i couldn't help but to laugh but you're you're saying very sensitive things um yeah I it's uh, I, I i'm sorry I, I wasn't laughing at the situation i was laughing at the uh 
the context around it. Um, yeah, ho- holy, holy shit! Did we just have? I mean, we were like, hey, don't poop your pants against Louisville. Like, you know, we were like, hey, they're they're a tough team. You, know, you, you don't you got to worry about them and kind of you know went as expected. Uh, at least at the beginning of the year, kind of situation. But then you you go out there. And you're like, all right, guys, we know there's a natural disaster. You can play for the the city that we put on your back and everything like that. And then you poop your pants even harder. And I didn't think that was possible. Really? It's like, good God. I mean, we, we've joked about like hitting rock bottom, like the McBee state loss. Yeah, that oof, bad situation there and everything like that. But that was game one, year one of a, of a new coach. You You double poop your pants. In back-to-back weeks against two opponents who, you know, historically USF has played well up against. So that's fun. Um, I, at this point, I'm just taking the season as it is. Just, hey, let's let's celebrate the little things. Let, let's let's really lean in on on the Jeff Scott winning the second half thing and and just keep track. First half doesn't matter anymore, guys. We're we're second half team. Second half of the season starts up. Let's get that going. So it's like it's gonna be like potty training for the rest of the season for Steve. Oh, this is worse than potty training. This is like potty training while you have like you're potty training your kid, and then you have a bunch of puppies that you have in like the little pen with newspaper, but you're out of newspaper. So you're really just you're using t-shirts and anything else at this point. And then you get him up there every Tuesday and he just parrots some stupid shit that he thinks sounds good in his head. So you didn't enjoy the game, Steve. <laughs> oh, I. <laughs> um, but uh, actually, sorry, Nick, I didn't want to cut you off there. Uh, I'm going to address this right off the top. Um, USF Glizzard, uh, fantastic name. Uh, as as all intents and purposes of what I have heard and have seen around this team, he has not lost the locker room, which is the most astounding thing ever to me. Um, because he has completely lost this fan base, like to a T. Um, but I mean, the guys are still playing hard for him, um, week in and week out. It, it appears, and it, it is admirable to to a point. Because at this point, I mean, it, we're all just looking desperately for some sort of sign of life. But I mean, the, the players are still giving 110 percent effort every single time. I mean, it, it's not like these guys are just keeling over at halftime or anything like that, and just trying to you know, limp their way out of the stadium. They're at least going for it in the second half. I don't know what they say in the second half to keep these guys going, you know, God bless them because that's, that's incredible, but it's, he has not lost the locker room to the extent of what everyone online thinks has happened. And now I'll end it. What I'll say is how hilarious would have been if we actually pulled it out against Florida and all in like the last two weeks still happen. Like, not only, not only would this fan base be pissed, but I mean, I mean, in Gainesville, they're already like ready to storm yeah. Napier's office and catatonic, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yes, yeah, Steve. On Saturday, so I spent the last week moving up to uh, Baltimore. So I was spending my I spent my weekend, you know, just getting stuff ready, like you know, just moving around the house and stuff. But I decided I'm going to like, you know, just put on this game for a second. And then like, I saw Steve, I saw you post like, I'm going to go grocery shopping. And then I said, I'm going to do the same thing. I actually need to get that done because it's a hell of a lot better than watching this shit. And uh, it's, 
it's just fucking bad, man. It's 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 bad. It's, it's bad, man. Yeah, I so I was internetless when I got home, like like we talked about earlier. So I I drove for like forty five minutes to go watch the game. Um, probably a waste of gasoline at that point. Uh, but. You know, there was a couple of good things in the game, but it was mostly just very terrible. Um, and, you know, it's just there's the second half don't even matter, right? Because you're you're not technically in garbage time because it was only a 34-point lead at halftime instead of 35. But, man, it's, uh, you know, I, somebody on Twitter said I was going to I was going to try to spin this really positively because I always try to spin things. I'm like, no, nah, it's pretty bad. Like, there's not much spinning you can do here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the one spin would be that uh, my fantasy team just had a breakout performance this week. Breakout performance. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll just address that. You crushed uh, everybody. I think Jimmy Horn probably had 40 points to himself with his 39. <laughs> Eight catch, uh, 180 yard day with two touchdowns, including a 91 yard uh, touchdown where we saw why he's the the best player on this USF team, and it's probably not even close. Um, that was the one bright spot, uh, you know. And you know, we'll harp on this. You know, according to Jeff Scott, you know, the the, the other positive was the second half. They won 21 to seven. So that's that's just. Top-notch stuff there from our guy. Uh, here's the thing, though. This year, they're trailing 33-7 to uh, aggregate and FBS games uh, this season after the first half. So that's um, not great would be a safe, safe start, uh, to assume. Uh, and, you know, looking back, we, you know, in our Slack channel, we've been kind of talking, you know, what's the differences or similarities, I guess, between what's going on right now and the, the end of the Charlie strong era. And really, it's really the same. I put out that tweet, I think it was Monday or Sunday about the, the differentials of, their last nine games. Jeff Scott is 0-9, his last FB, uh, last nine FBS games. Uh, five of them have been by losses by more than 18 or more points. Uh, they've been outscored, I think it was 360 to 191. On the flip side, Charlie Strong, his last nine FBS games was also 0-9, outscored by 18 or more points in six of those games. Uh, and the, the combined score was like 357 to 141 or something like that. So, different but but the same and uh somehow i i just don't understand how this continues to happen and, and steve you kind of pressed on it today that this press conference was not great from jeff scott from you know start to finish grasping at literally anything i said to someone in a text message uh, that he was like the cat who fell out of the boat and it was trying to grasp onto anything before he drowned. And like, what, what are we doing here? What, like, I don't want to make excuses, but here's a list of 14 excuses. Right. It, it's, it's, it's sad really. And, you know, I, I, I think everyone is frustrated to it, to a T and I, was going to make this uh, a tweet and then I decided not to because I tweeted too much about it. So I'm going to say it here. It, it's really unfortunate. I think the most unfortunate thing about what he said during his press conference wasn't the the word scramble of justifying the 
seven to 14 points or whatever that was really it, it, it came down to what he said when he said he wasn't on social media and then it kind of dawned on me a little bit more that oh shit like he's truly not seeing and i mean i'm sure he's hearing about it from boosters and from you know everyone else like he's he doesn't have blinders on to everything that's happening here you know of course he can spin things in whatever way he wants to in his head to try to justify where the team is at and everything but at the same time like he is a human being who is scrambling ever so desperately to cling on to something and we saw it under charlie strong you know towards the end of his tenure here that you know these guys are kind of at a, at a headspace of just consistent negativity that's around them and they're trying so desperately to keep their players and their staff to keep the faith at this but they don't realize that all of this is happening on social media as well and so it's fortunate the, the players see it on social media the support staff see it on social media the booster the you know the rest of the uh, athletic staff everyone that's associated with USF football in some way i saw maria alvarez tweet about some of the stuff that people are saying about Jeff Scott and everything like that. And it's sad because he doesn't see any of it. And so he's, it's like dropping a bomb and then walking away and then not seeing the damage that it does to the rest of the community and everyone involved. And so like, you know, when, when I go and, you know, USF posts the, the uniforms for the week or USF posts like the photos of like, Oh, week six, right. Or anything like that. And all of the replies are people saying like, Fuck you, Jeff Scott, and fuck you, and and exactly like fuck you. But keep in mind, there is someone else that is not Jeff Scott on the other end of that. And and, and I, I know we all are frustrated at the situation. I am incredibly frustrated by the situation. But these are people that we have to deal with on a day to day basis. And I have no problem calling out Jeff Scott for being a, doing a really poor job of making sure that the team is ready week in and week out. But the last thing that I'm going to do is tweeted at the fucking USF admin who's taking care of the account because then that person's going to hate their job and then they're going to leave and then the circle of, of suck happens again for our social media accounts. It's this consistent cycle of just, holy shit, we keep our, getting ourselves into it. And it all starts because we can't hire a good enough head coach to get this program out of the shitty sewer that we're in right now. Yeah, to me, I thought the press conference stuff, that's like... Some of that is coach, like coach brain, like as someone who's been there when you're trying to like show your team that, hey, we're, we're not far off. There's things if we just improve here, you know, there is something to that. Well, because you have to keep your team motivated and, and show them, look, if we can fix these things, it's not like we're totally out of it. Right. But I think in, you can't that can't be your pitch to the fan base. That's something that probably needs to stay in the meeting room, right? Because at this point, this you know we, we've heard it before, so it's you just got to. I think you just got to take your medicine in front of the media. It's hard when you probably he's spending time trying to rationalize it um, because this is the first time he's ever really faced failure. I mean, he coached in high school. He was a head coach in high school, won a state championship within two years of being a head coach. Like. He's never had to deal with this kind of stuff. Clemson, oh, they lost they lost seven games in Dabo's first year. You know, that's not, <laughs> that ain't this. So um there's a guy that's always had success at trying to kind of rationalize things. And and I know being in the situation where you lose games and you try to 
Okay, show your team. All right, it's, we're not that far off. Don't don't get discouraged, right? Because you want to keep guys motivated. You don't want to lose the season over a game. Uh, it's more than one game now, but just still um, show them where you're close. What if if we could change this? If you could fix, if you tip this ball away instead of this guy catching it, there's something to that. Just in terms of showing your team that no, we're not like way out of it. We're not like just getting crushed because you guys suck and it's awful and. You know, you're close. You just got to finish. But I, I just think you cannot. That cannot be your message to the fan base now because you. They. I. I really think the fans have been for the most part pretty understanding with the rebuild. But now we're in year three, and it's not. I, I try to find historical precedent when when Dan Mullen was talking about being fired last year at Florida, and I was writing an article in Florida. I was trying to find. I wrote a piece on it trying to find historical precedent for somebody having as bad of a record that far into your their career to school and coming back and winning anything, right? I couldn't find it. So to me, that's like Dan Mullen's either got to be one in a million and this turnaround or he needs to be fired if, if you're going to win championships, right? So that's why I'm trying to find kind of a, 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 a historical precedent that's similar to this level for the first three years. Obviously, this year's not over. Maybe they, they rip off a run. It does not seem likely. But, you know, you're getting to a point where if you don't start winning some games, you're reaching a precedent where nobody that started like this has ever kind of turned in anything. Kentucky, I know you mentioned Kentucky today. Kentucky started 2-10 and 10 and then won five games two years in a row. If they won five games this year, people would – I mean, they'd start building a statue just about. Like, that's how excited people would be. So, it's not like you're winning five games two years in a row. So – it's not even, to me, a great comparison. And I think the other comparison to 2019 is I, I feel like the American was a lot tougher in 2019 than it is now. You have I, – I think you have an easier time in conference than you did in 2019. Think You had Memphis that year that was really good. You had to play them. Uh, UCF wasn't bad. Cincinnati was good. That was pretty good that year. Navy was pretty good that year. SMU was pretty good that year. You look at the, the top of the conference isn't quite as strong now as it was then. So I, I think that's another part of it. It's not quite the same. And you still won four games in 2019. So you, you've got to finish this year on a really high note. Otherwise, man, we're, we're, what's kind of, we're, we're kind of in uncharted waters here. Yeah, and to go back to your point about like the general frustration it's like it's like you're right everybody i think most people were <clears throat> understanding of the rebuild but the thing about the rebuild is at some point you have to you know actually build and right. <laughs> and like and when you're when you it's just very demoralizing especially on the fan like from the fan perspective when most of your games or a lot of your games in FBS, like against FBS opponents, the game's fucking over in the middle of the second quarter. And it's like, it, it, it's like, what, what do you want me to, it's like, what do you want me to do with this? Like, it, it's like, we want, like, we want to support, we want to support this staff. We want to support this coach, this player, this program as they're trying, but it's like, I keep saying it's like you have to give people some like something to grab onto, and it and outside of that clearly fluke game against Florida three years up oh, not three years ago three weeks ago feels like it though <laughs> feels like it. Um, there's just you know there's just nothing, and then eventually you're gonna start to get to that point 
where a lot of people are, where it's like, okay, like we need to move on and make a, and possibly make a change. You know, they get blown. If they, let's say they get blown out two weeks in a row, the message is still going to be, we're only halfway through the season. <laughs> it's like, like well, we got to go. I, I think, um, the frustrating thing, just to kind of piggyback off what Nick said, right? And then Jessica talked about it's like building a house. It doesn't look great. But like 2020, you pour the foundation and then you look, oh, it's got a lot of cracks in it. We got to we gotta do it again. 2021, you do the same thing. Oh, this pipe that was quarterback that was, you know, all my plumbing, we got to take that out. It's like we're, we're kind of redoing the same steps three years in a row. Um, so – that's got to be frustrating. If you had a contractor that kept constantly blowing it when he's just trying to lay the foundation for the house, you'd probably get pretty upset. So and they've got the nice marble and like Jimmy Horn and, and Brian Petit <laughs> and they, they've got the nice fixtures. It's just like at the core, it's not good. So I, go ahead, Steve. I was going to, I, that reminded me of a, it reminded me of this house hunters episode where this guy, he was looking for a new house with his wife, but he had this red British phone booth that he wanted to find a place for. <laughs> and that red phone booth is Jimmy Horn and we're trying to find a place for him. And I, I was beside myself the entire episode because every single place that they went, he was like, Oh, I think, I think the red phone booth would go really good right there. And his wife is just not having it. And his wife is all of us. <laughs> right. And it, it, I think the, the just super frustrating part is like we, Seth and I, we left that Florida game. Everybody left that Florida game. Like, okay, we're, we're here. And then, I mean, the entire theme of that next week was literally do not poop the bed, do not poop the bed. And then you do that. And then you do it again. And you expect us to, uh, you expect the fan base to be just okay with that. Where, all right, now you've been blown out in 60% of your games this year. You haven't really competed against anyone really good. Uh, I think all that Florida game showed was that Ford has a lot of problems. I also think there was, uh, they kind of came out a little flat and weren't showing a ton in that game. Just looking back, what they did the following couple weeks schematically. I think they were kind of like, all right, we played two really hard games. Let's get through this, save some stuff for Tennessee, kind of be vanilla, and it almost bit them in the butt. And USF came out with this bunch of stuff they hadn't seen before, and it took them a while to catch on. Uh, but once they did in the second half, it was, they, they played a little bit better. But, um, yeah, I, 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 looking back on the game, it was uh, – a little bit there there was it probably turned out about the way maybe it should have just based on there were some things here or there that could have happened fluky but on both sides but it, it doesn't feel as close looking back on it now with the performances of the last two weeks it almost makes that game feel even worse like maybe you weren't even in that game really maybe that was all smoke and mirrors so i don't know it's not it has not been great and you had such a high coming off that game the last two weeks is taking it down like uh like the you see this picture of the stock market where it's like up and then it goes down through the bottom of the graph right that's 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 kind of where we're at right now is you had this great up a lot of excitement and now you're down through the bottom of the graph it, it would have been it almost would have been better just to get blown out in that game and play louisville tight people would have felt better about it but i don't know i i I don't see a path forward for Jeff Scott right now, uh, especially with now you're, you know, staring down the barrel of Cincinnati, who 
by all accounts, looks pretty freaking good again this year. Uh, they sputtered a little bit early in the season. They played Arkansas really close. A lot, I think they lost by a touchdown in that game uh, to open the year, but they've kind of turned it on. Uh, ben Bryant is the guy we kind of all figured he would be as his uh, year of uh, finishing school at Eastern Michigan uh, kind of helped him out. I think he's thrown for 14 touchdowns. I think he's completing like close to 70% of his passes. Uh, I just don't see... I don't see how this this gets any better. And now you're now you you, you lose to Cincinnati, uh, and then you've got Tulane homecoming with a bye week coming up, and Tulane looks like they've kind of righted the ship as well. And I mean, they they won that game last Friday with their third string quarterback. I don't know who's going to be starting for them in two weeks. Uh, at quarterback, but they seem to have figured out some stuff. And that game's no sure thing because you got the doors blown off you last year by this team on the road. So I, I one in six is a real possibility for Jeff Scott. And uh, how 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 can Michael Kelly, how can Jeff Scott look at this fan base? So the, these players like, guys, this is definitely still going in the right direction. We're one in six. We've gotten blown out four weeks in a row. This is definitely a place to be. This is, this is where we're at. I, it d- doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense why this continues to happen. Jeff Scott mentioned it in the press conference on Tuesday. If, you know, five head coaches, four head coaches in the last 12 years. There really hasn't been much stability in the last 12 years. Yeah, but some of the coaches still had success. You know, Skip Holtz went to a bowl game and won a bowl game. All right. You got you got your offensive coordinator position because Skip Holtz beat you guys. Like, let's 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 slow it down here. And that word vomit, that word salad that he had uh about the you know. Take those two drives that we had. That's fourteen. You know, if we if we if 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 we stop them in one of those one of those man on mans, you know, we're actually leading by a point with a quarter to go, uh, with eight minutes left. Skip Holtz did the exact same thing, and in twenty eleven, they were what five and seven or something like that, and four or five of those losses were you know one score games that he kind of caused himself just dumbass decision after dumbass decision late in those games. Now he's spinning it that, you know, we're, we're right there. We're right there. It's a, it's a skip Holtz level kind of twist of the facts almost from Jeff Scott. And it's, it's the, it's the cat drowning in water, man. It's he's, he doesn't know what else to do. And the alarming thing is it's the same things happening over and over again. It's the slow starts. He still hasn't figured that out. It's been a thing for over a year now and he still hasn't figured out a way to do it then do something completely different. Do something that you've never done before. If you're doing all the things that you know that has won and it's not working, do something different. I don't know what that is. You're a much smarter man. You've forgotten more about football than I will ever know my entire life, but do something different. My question is, what, what kind of information are they getting in their game prep? It, because they, I mean, like, like, are, do they just are they just constantly off guard at the beginning of games? Or what teams are doing schematically? Like, I think I almost think it, psychologically, it's it's like, I mean, if you go back to the BYU game and you go the Howard game, I mean, we can kind of take a look at the microcosm there, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, we got punched in the mouth on the first play of the game for both sides of things. 
And so, I mean, it, it is a psychological thing. And, and, and you, I mean, you can see across all sports that, you know, sometimes when you get psychologically down on yourself, it, it, you throw everything else out the window. And I think that's where the, uh, unfortunately, I think that's where the team is at at this point is that there's so, I mean, the coaching staff, the players, and, and it's, it's the unfortunate kind of thing that's happened, especially when you have a lot of guys that have been on this team a long time mixed with newcomers and everything like that, they might just get down on themselves, you know, a, a bad route, a bad rub, a, you know, a, a missed assignment or something like that. They're so worried about missing that assignment that they miss that assignment. You know, they're, they're probably harping on these types of things in practice. You know, I, I'd, I'd like to think that this, you know, coaching staff isn't the most incompetent, you know, people in the world better than, you know, the four of us could probably do, but it, it comes down to where they know what to do. They talk about it all the time and, and listening to the different spaces and the conversations that we see with Trickett and, and Shoop and everything like that. Like the players, the coaches, everyone knows what to do. They know their assignments. It just it doesn't happen. It doesn't click. And whether it's motivation, whether it's something, <laughs> they might be getting bad intel. But I'd be really shocked if you know we're getting all the bad intel in the world, and there's a sleeper agent somewhere on the team that's you know giving away everything to to the opposing teams. But it's a mess. I mean, it happened to her. It happened to her. My my, her. my question is why uh, is it because. The second half thing, right? It's obviously a thing. Is it just because teams are quitting and taking their foot off the pedal? Is that all of it? Or is I mean, it because Jeff, you can Scott adjust kind of a little bit to it? Jeff Scott basically said as much uh, in this press conference today. It's like, yeah, he was like kind of walking it back, but then he, he still kind of touts the second half thing. He basically said, you know, you know, these guys, the, these other teams get up by a lot. Uh, so maybe they, take their foot off the pedal and uh, you know, our guys get pissed and then they start to perform. I'm like, well, then fix it, do something different. It, I just, that's the frustrating, the, the frustrating part, you know, what, what is it? The, uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It's clear you're doing the same thing over and over again, because y- y- you've said as much, you're doing the things that you know, work except they're not working anymore and you haven't figured out a way to to do anything different so and and just um yeah and and it also just goes to the fact that like none of these guys whether it's like the coaches who have been here for a couple years or like a lot of these players they've just never really been in a position to where it's been them who's been the aggressor in the first quarter like i don't think like outside of like maybe a few games, they're always down. And at some point it's like, you you just don't have the experience and you just don't know like what to do in that situation. And uh, I don't know. My, it's my, the same my, thing that my... happened in the Florida game because they, they were up in the fourth quarter and the spotlight got bright and then they peed the pets. I mean, it, it's a legit thing. <laughs> well, I don't, Mike, I guess my question is right. Richard Johnson wrote a piece about it earlier this year, talking about or, or and spoke about it at the beginning of the season. Hey, look how great people! Everyone comes out great on script, right? It's watch the drives after the initial script, right? Seth <laughs> has not come out great on script this year. So that's my that's my question. I don't think the play calling has been awful for the yeah. most part. I don't think I, so either. But on like beginning of the games are supposed to be times where you 
you know what they're running. You have a good idea what they're running because of, of your game plan and your game prep. So you put together a perfect script to take advantage of how you think they're going to play you. And when you come out and you you don't move the ball at all, you go three and out a ton on your first drives. Like, are you getting bad information? Or are teams just so well coached that they're just totally changing how they are going to play it? I don't know. Uh, it, that's – that's to me the most troubling thing is you know this is supposed to be kind of when you're at your best and you can really put your imprint on the game and really kind of start setting the defense up for things at least i'm thinking from an offensive perspective start setting the defense up for things for later in the game and you're coming out and just it's like they're not quite sure what they're gonna get and it's not like they play something crazy everybody almost everybody plays 11 personnel football now so it's not like you're not showing something that nobody else you're running like I'm not sure how we're going to – we're running the flex bone, so I'm not sure how they're going to play us. You're running 11 personnel spread, basically. It's, right. It's everybody – about. I think it's like 90% of uh, teams in the country run 11 personnel. So, And it's not like it, some player comes out of the woodwork to, like, do this. <laughs> like, it's right. so what's, like, what's, the, what's the deal? We were, like, circling him. We were like, hey, you might want to, like, tackle this guy, like, a couple of times, and he does that. C.J. Johnson from ECU, Malik Cunningham. Like, none of these things are, like, surprising – in the least, it's it's no. as if as if they were like mentally doing so much gymnastics that like there's no way they would hand it off to Puka Naku on the first play on a jet sweep. Yeah. I, I thought the Florida game they had a good plan. Like they had a good plan for Florida's defense. At least the offense had a really good plan for Florida's defense. They showed it early. They just fumbled the first drive away. That kind of they kind of shot themselves in the foot. But they had a really good plan. But the other games, have you seen like a really good plan to take advantage of exactly what the other team's doing? No, and not really. Right. So that's weird to me. To your point. So I think they went three and out, three and out. Uh, first two drives uh, at versus ECU, uh, and I think the second drive was three straight screenplays that went netted zero yards. So what? What are you? Uh, why? Why is that the the case? And then I think it was the very next drive they actually got something going. I think that was the drive that Gary fumbled, or, or they they got some they got some more yardage. Uh, they actually moved the ball. But it, it, to your point, Seth, I mean the game script has been terrible. They've been outscored sixty six to seven in the first quarter this year, uh, and they were outscored in the first quarter by. I think I want to say close to 70 points in 2021 as well. Um, it, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing in the first quarter? Or I guess, I mean, it pretty glaring. What aren't you doing is being effective, but like what, how, how are you so glaringly bad at this? And in 20, I looked back at this in 2020, in 2020, his first year, it was actually the second quarter that got wonky for them where they got blown out. They kept it pretty close. I think they were within 12, 12 points of their opponents in the first quarter. The second quarter is where the opponents kind of turned it up on them. And then the, the rest of the games were uh, the rest of the quarters were kind of bad as well, but it, what, what's not clicking in that first quarter. I have, I have a solution. Have you, have I showed you guys my solution? No. Okay, let's see if I can get it up here. Share with the class. I have a wheel. Oh yes, that we could call. Yeah. You, you could call plays on the wheel. Ready? Click. Let's click the spin. Let's see how we. Is, is one of them fumble? 
That's how I opened the game. Oh, Jimmy Horn touched oh. open the game. Good idea. And then I got uh, then I get a Batiste touch here. All right. A Weaver touch and then quarterback run. I think if you just did like a variation of the wheel here. Oh, Weaver. All right, let's get Weaver a touch. It's really not Oh, oh, oh you, oh, you QB run. Weaver Give me Man. some QB power. This I think the wheel, but it, it's it's I'm I'm obviously being somewhat facetious here. But, uh, but also, like, it's not crazy to be like, okay, who are our best players? How can I get them the ball? Uh, let's make sure these guys touch the ball every play, every every drive. Those guys should be touching the football. And the quarterback run has to be a big part of your offense. You can't wait to break it out till you're down 21 points, which it seems like what they're doing. I know they said Bohannon was a little banged up in the in the Louisville game after playing Florida, but like. That your offense was so good against Florida because of the quarterback run game and all the stuff you did off of it. The next week to have it totally scrapped was uh, not great. So that's got to be brought back in. So I, I don't know, man. It's you. You've got the talent in the skill position, and honestly, it was kind of Gary's. Mo at Baylor, right? He was always kind of dealing with injury stuff. It's he missed the Big Twelve championship game because he was hurt. He was knocked around at Sugar Bowl. He wasn't healthy toward the end of the year, and frankly, he wasn't run as much uh, at Baylor. It's just he just kept getting hurt. So now you're dealing with a, a banged up quarterback. You've got Jaron Mangum who is out for an indefinite period of time. Uh, how Jeff Scott phrased it on Tuesday was uh, we hope to get him back at some point. Uh, Kelly Joyner's a week away. Jimmy Horn finally got back. Xavier Weaver just got back. Uh, Joe Joe, who was uh, used in marketing material this week, is he going to be back this week? I, I doubt it. Maybe. Uh, the thing that was interesting, uh, I don't know if it was a disciplinary thing or injury thing, but Marion Dawson didn't play a lick. I'm not even sure he traveled. Last week, he got listed as uh, when Jeff Scott was going through all the starters that were injured. He listed uh, Dallas and he said OD couldn't go or something like that. So, Daquan Stanley. So now you're you're running out of the skill position, guys, and it, you know it is a legitimate reason. But why are these guys get continually getting hurt? I don't. I haven't seen the injury bug hit a team this bad in a very very long time. Is it the way you're you're training? Is it? I just, it doesn't make any sense how everybody either their ankle or they have a broken wrist or what have you. It just, it doesn't make any sense. Fate. <laughs> Fate doesn't want them to succeed. It could just be bad luck or it could be something with other training. Um, Nate, do you want to address the elephant in the room? I'll, I'll ask the question very, uh, very candidly. Hey, uh, hey, at Bulls Nathan SBN, are you going to write a? Is it time to let go of Jeff's the Jeff Scott experiment like you did for the Charlie Strong piece that you did that got him fired? Inadvertently, I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> um, so here's here's the thing. We, I, to be fair, we have not publicly called for Jeff Scott to be fired. I think that's pretty clear. Well, you know, Steve, you fired a woman's tennis coach. Like you're, you're a loose cannon. Who knows what you're going to do? It's like a bodily function with him. I mean, it's 
It's poop, pee, and fire coaches. That's what that's what Stieg does. It's like a Steinbrenner. Uh, <laughs> uh, been very careful about that, and the reason being is for me personally, it seems out of place for me right now as it stands. It is um, we're recording at nine fifty on a Tuesday, uh, October fourth. Uh, f- from calling for the guy to get fired when I'm not there day to day in 2019, I was there day to day. I was talking to, I was talking to Charlie strong. You know, we, we had multiple conversations. We talked weekly, uh, during the, you know, the, the press conferences and whatnot and talked during games. I'm only talking to Jeff Scott on Saturdays after games. It's tough for me to, morally wrap around the fact that I'm calling for this dude's job and I'm not interacting with him nearly enough. And that's just, that's just kind of part of life, right? I have a different, I have a different job. I'm in a different part of my life. Uh, I still cover as much as I can. Right. But it's tougher when you're, you're saying this guy needs to be fired uh, from, from his job. Um, Now, Ask me next week if they get blown out again, uh, things may change. But as it stands right now, no, I'm not going to write that yet. And for years, this website has been pretty well dedicated for, you know, to over a decade to uh, providing, I would say, pretty objective stuff. You know, we we'll, we'll, we die, we live and die by this program because we know that we are going to survive any head coach that ever comes through this place, unless it's like Bear Bryant and he just stays for 40 years or Nick Say, whatever. We're all going to be here long after this current coach, this current administration, the SIDs, literally everybody is gone. Maybe the only person that will ever outlive us within USF is Jim Lauk. Like he's just never going to go away. Uh, so like this sucks just as much as for us as it does. Like I know we can be asshole. Like I'll be perfectly candid. I can be an absolute asshole in person, in real life, it, on Twitter and, uh, you know, toward coaches. But I want to make sure that the hate blog moniker only came about because people thought we hated the program and it's not, it's we want the program to succeed and we're tired of it. Not succeeding and it's been that way for 11 years since that 2015 2016 2017 ish seasons uh that we've been covering the program so it's it's just to you know make the the long story short it's tough for me to do that right now and i think the other thing that may sway me is if you keep saying shit like that (laughs) <laughs> on Tuesday during that press conference, we we've made we've made our our our, our site's mission is you know we can live with good process bad result all day every day. I what I can't live with is bad process bad result or bad process good result bad process good result gets you that 2018 season when they start seven and zero where we not seven and zero that's bad process good result. What we're seeing right now is bad process bad result. And it's not working, and I we can we can't stand for it. Just logical people cannot stand for bad process, bad result, and expect things to get better. Your process needs to be there. The process isn't there. It's not working. It's clearly broken. Figure it the fuck out or get out of the way. Kansas figured it out. 
Shit, yeah, they did. Like that, and that's just yeah. It's just like it just comes down to at like some point you just have to like fucking like you just have to figure it out, dude. Like, like again, go all the way back. Like we understand that this is like you inherited a tough situation, and that this is going to be a bit of a rebuilding job to retool. But like at the same time, it to me in my mind it shouldn't be this difficult to you know, make prog- like make steps forward. Again, like I just mentioned, Kansas is the most moribund program in the entire Power Five. Like, they were dead. They were dead, like, two years ago. They were, like, I saw, like, how they averaged, last decade, they averaged two wins a game every season. Like, two wins a game. And within not even a full two years, a year and a half, he, Leipold has them, like, literally on the verge of, um, being bowl eligible this week and they're ranked. So to be able to figure it out. Man. So are you saying that you should go hire a guy that's won a national championship at a lower level? Was hey, we're not key? there yet, Seth. We're not there yet. <laughs> oh God. We're not. I'll stand for but... one thing. I'll stand for one thing. We're not doing hot board until it happens. <laughs> We're not, no, no, no. We're not doing it until it happens. We'll yeah, and it's and it's like it's uh there's obviously a human cost to all these things, right? It's it's not just as easy as all right, he's gone, get him out of here. It's you know, there's a lot of I mean, somebody new coming in could literally change over every single person that's working in the football department. So there's there's human cost to these things, and that's why I think it's it's good that Nathan's kind of being cautious, not cautious, but he wants to make sure that he's got all his ducks in a row here, that he's sure before you do a thing like this, because it is, while it's just one one publication, it's still asking for somebody that's got two kids to lose their job. Obviously, he gets paid pretty well. He'll be okay. But there's still human cost to down the line. It's not just him. It's kind of the whole football yeah, it's the, area. And you're you're, you're you're basically saying analysts. yeah, you're basically saying seventy people need to get fired. So there is there is a human cost to this, and I think it's always good. I always would prefer to be. I know there's some people that have been calling for Jeff Scott to be fired since since like game three, or maybe even after the Notre Dame game. Oh, he's not going to cut it. We need to like this isn't the guy. And maybe you end up being right, but I'd rather be right for the right reasons and not just kind of just knee jerk guess something early and just end up being right. I'd rather be right for the right reasons, kind of wait and make sure things play out a little bit personally. And I think we all kind of feel similarly. We're not going to call. We're not going to talk about really coaches. I don't think potential uh, new coaches while he's still a head coach. It's just kind of, uh, it's kind publicly. of tough. Yeah. <laughs> Not publicly. I've already got, I'm already making shirts up, but um, $50 donations gets you into the Slack channel. <laughs> no, $5,000 donations. So the, yeah, but, yeah. But there, there is, it, there's, there's a, uh, there's a human cost to all this as well. So it's not just paying a buyout. It's, there's a lot of people that get affected by these things. So I think everyone in here is hoping that they win the rest of the games this season and they turn it around and everything's awesome. That would be great. Uh, we don't think that's going to happen. 
but it would be cool. I think I, I think everybody would be happy with that. So that's what we're hoping for. But what we're going to get is probably a little bit different, and we'll kind of see where it goes from here. Seth, I want you to I want you to start narrating more things like that. Like that was beautifully beautifully said. Well, you know, I had a, I had a few days without internet to clear my mind. <laughs> You're a new man, <laughs> just practicing yoga and, and meditating and dealing with screaming kids. Yeah, it's been a it's been an experience. Yeah, changed me for the better. I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. I wouldn't wish that upon Sterling Gilbert. Is really what it boils down to. Um, Well, maybe you know what I take that back. Uh, But you know, even you know the Kansas point was great. It makes a lot of sense. UConn beat Fresno State over the weekend. Like, I mean, come on, UConn. And they're, I was kind of going through the coaching cycle, that 2019 coaching cycle, and only a couple of guys are probably worse off uh, than Jeff Scott right now, um, and, and they've all been kind of fired. Uh, Nick Rolovich, who owned own can, own can of worms there. That was a mess. Uh, right? Um, Carl Durrell, who I think he won Coach of the Year uh, in 2020. I think he won, like, the big – Pack twelve or what? yeah, they did really good in the four game, like the four game season. That yeah, all season, and then uh, flamed out last year, and that was even worse this year. He got fired. Uh, Todd Graham, yet again, another weird one. So he's Jeff Scott's really got that going for him. That of that twenty nineteen coaching cycle, he wouldn't be the first one fired. So that's good for him. He's got that going for him. Um, but I saw someone uh, say Marcus Rowe, UNLV. I believe he was hired this that same cycle, and I think they're four and one. And they've kind of righted the ship a little bit. There's only a couple of teams where, you're like, I just don't know if it's ever going to actually work there. Like, I, I, like I think uh, New Mexico State. I think Danny Gonzalez, if I'm not mistaken, is the head coach at New Mexico State. That's just one of those perpetually bad jobs. Like you're in New Mexico and you're not even like New Mexico. You're like the state, like New Mexico state, like who you're really getting there. Um, so, you know, uh, Willie, I think Willie Tagger was fired that year, if I'm not mistaken. So Mike Norvell, he's kind of figured it out. They look pretty good. Uh, Wake Forest, notwithstanding, but they look, I mean, Wake Forest looks legit. I think they got a, uh, rejuvenation from uh, Sam Hartman getting back into the fold there a few weeks ago uh, after I think it was like a, a blood clot issue or something like that. So I think, um, but some sort of non-football related, right? Illness. It was it, it was a it was like a health bad. scare that he he had to take some time off and he he kind of righted the ship. But I mean, one in twenty two guys like that. That's not. You, that's really hard to do. Is like you fall into wins sometimes, and it just seems like literally every single time USF continues to just fall out of really snatching defeat from the jaws of victory over and over again. And uh, and uh, Tagger was hired by at FAU in uh, twenty twenty, and that's not looking too good. Yeah, that has that hasn't been great for Willie either. Um, I know he he openly pined for for the USF job, um, but good lord, um, 
I'm trying to think who's doing well in that cycle. I guess Lane Kiffin was in that cycle, right? Yeah, Lane Kiffin. So he's doing well. Was Pittman in that cycle? I think so. <laughs> Phenomenal. Oh. Um, uh, so yeah. There's. I, I think a lot of people from that year are kind of struggling, uh, without probably a ton of infrastructure behind you, especially with how you had to recruit during COVID it probably helped to have a ton of infrastructure on the recruiting side and the personnel side probably was even more important during that. So that's maybe why you see some of these, like a lot of guys struggling at lower levels or schools that can't spend quite as much money on those things. So could be somewhat indicative. So here, here's that, this coaching cycle. So it was actually New Mexico, Danny Gonzalez, um, UNLV, Marcus Arroyo, uh, Missouri, Eli uh, Trinkowitz, who uh, he's won some games. So there's that. He's uh, he's got to finish this year stronger. He's going to be. I think he'll yeah, probably yeah. get another year, but he's uh, teetering. Yeah, yeah five that, and five that. in 2020, six and seven last year, two and three this year. Uh, they did play it's Georgia, right? They played Georgia close. They played last Georgia week. super tight, but they they kind of gagged the I game. They blew with their coaching decisions, but. Um, so there's that. Uh, Greg Schiano at Rutgers, not terrible. Doing about as well as you can up there. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this uh, Jeff Trailer guy. Oh, he's doing well. He's doing all right at UTSA. Uh, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. I think they're t- close to top 10, if not like ninth or something like that. Yeah, they're um, like eight or nine. Ricky Rain at Old, uh, Old Dominion. Um, They've been okay. They went uh, six and seven in 2021. They're two and three this year. Uh, they had a pretty good win. They beat Virginia Tech. They beat Arkansas State, but they lost to uh, ECU, Liberty, and Virginia. But they they played Virginia close. They've got Coastal in two weeks. Um, let's see. Steve Adazio. Um, didn't do great. <laughs> Turn out well. Didn't do great. That's for sure. Uh, Kalen DeBoer turned uh, that – I think it was like a year at Fresno State, maybe two the years at Fresno State into the Washington job. Uh, so that was pretty good. Sam Pittman, uh, Mike Norvell, uh, Sean Clark at App State. Not terrible. DeBoer was another guy that's name was floated at uh, USF. Yeah, man. Oh, God. Uh, Jeff Halfley at BC. Not awful. Uh, six and five, six and six, two and three. Uh, Mike Leach at Mississippi State. Uh, so it's been a mixed bag, basically. It's not all been decent. No, Dave, Dave Aranda at Baylor. Excellent. Yep. Uh, Brady Hoke at San Diego State. Uh, Damn, I thought he was, I thought Hoke was there like longer than that. No, uh, was he like then, a coordinator before and got elevated when Rocky Long left. Yeah, he was the D line coach. No. Yeah. Oh wait, no. Um, this is Hope's second. Yeah, this is second. This is the second time at San Diego State. He did. He was there for two years as the head coach, and then got the Michigan job. Uh, Todd Graham, we talked about Mel Tucker at uh, Michigan State, um, who turned a, what a, a solitary Colorado season into a massive ass payday. Get your bag. Um, because that was that's incredible stuff. Uh, they're two and three, but they went they went eleven two last year. Um, 
We'll see. And then Carl Durrell, who's already been fired uh, from Colorado after replacing uh, Tucker. So, like, outside of guys being, like, weird and, like, borderline bad people, see Todd Graham, Nick Rolovich, Jeff Scott's probably the worst one. He's the one that still has, still has the job. Like, you're, you're really competing with, like, uh, Carl Durrell and uh, a couple others who have are on their way out. So good job. Good job by him. Great. I know we didn't really talk much about Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati is really good. I think that doesn't need to be said the way Luke Fickles uh, just kind of replenished the inventory, so to speak, has been nothing short of remarkable. Uh, we knew they, he was doing great at recruiting uh, and it's, it's really paid off. Let's just get into predictions and call this one. Cause uh, I am spent and I am so frustrated uh, overall. Uh, so Cincinnati is it's the line opened at Cincinnati minus 25. And I think it's been bet up to 28. So we're working with a 28 point line here, folks. Uh, Stieg, what is your prediction for this game? Fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn it. Um, it's, uh, who was it? I, I, I think it was someone in our, our Slack channel um, had mentioned something about how we, we pooped our pants the last two weeks. And I was like, I don't think we've ever really like pooped our pants like three weeks in a row under Jeff Scott. Really? It's, it's, it's always kind of ironically come in twos. Um, it, they, they'll usually be like really bad and then like really bad, but kind of like do okay in like the second half. And then they'll like put together like a, a okay performance that doesn't totally embarrass you. And you're like, Oh, okay. Well, if they could do that every once in a while, that'd be great. Uh, they'll probably, I mean, they're going to lose. Uh, let's not, you know, give us any false hopes of, of how this was going to be. Uh, but they'll probably end up covering uh, as like Kings of second halves go. Um I, Luke Fickle doesn't scream to me as like ruthless as uh, as as some other people make him out to be. He probably will only put up like you know a generous like fifty six, and then we'll probably score like you know thirty five points in the fourth quarter while we're playing up against the junior team of Cincinnati. Um, yeah, let's do like a 50, 56 to hmm, what what would be a twenty one point difference? Thirty five, yeah, fifty six thirty five, something basic for you. Okay. Good. I mean, okay. Yeah, I gave a yep. lot there. I've, I've. There's a lot of thoughts in my head. I have a tweet that I'm thinking about sending out. Oh, I can't wait. Doing on it. Oh no, uh, Seth. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I think the line at DraftKings, the line is 27 and a half now, uh, but that might change. I think the consensus is still at 28. So uh, I'm gonna go like. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty close to that. I'm going to go like 45-17 uh, Cincinnati winning. I think 17 could be a push. Um, if this is – now, what worries me is that Jeff Scott said today this is the best team they will have played all year. So, who knows? That could be a halftime score maybe. But uh, Yeah, I'm going to go 45-17. I don't think um, Cincinnati is going to try to – now they, they do uh, they do push the ball vertically in the passing game, so that could get ugly. But let's just call it forty five seventeen, and maybe you can get a maybe you get the backdoor cover there, depending on what this line finishes at. But 
Yeah. Uh, Nick, guest picker, what, what's your prediction? I'm going to go 45-27 Cincinnati. I think, like, it's – like, Fickle likes to put teams into the slow cooker, so it won't be – well, I mean, in this case, it will be, like, just a total – annihilation the first half but then similar you know of course we're the second half champion so we'll step up with a couple of uh with a couple of touchdowns down the stretch and at, at the very least cover so 45 27 is what i got okay i'm doing uh 55 17 cincinnati um i think with brian batie and jimmy horn i don't think I, it's really tough for me to think that one of them or if not both will get a touchdown. Uh, that's kind of where my thought process is. I was, I wanted to say 50, 55 to three, uh, but I just, I, I think they, they can find the end zone. Um, I, I'm not sold on this staff. I don't think the defense is very good. I don't think the defensive coordinator is great. Uh, Jeff, I mean, we, we spent an hour talking about Jeff Scott. Uh, I think the lone bright spot has been Travis Trickett uh, outside of game script. He's been pretty good. Uh, the play calling has been fairly creative uh, for what they have. And that's been th- that's the fun thing, right? They, they've got some pieces on offense. It's just everything else is a tire fire. Uh, so, yeah, 55-17. Not to sound too much like Jeff Scott here, but they probably should have scored 42 points last week. Offense isn't terrible. Offense isn't the issue. <laughs> the, the issue is that uh, EC probably could have named their score on the other yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real shame that Holt Nailers is gonna like have all the like the quarterback records and beat like Quentin Flowers record and everything like that because he just absolutely fucking doesn't deserve it. Yeah. I worry that Holt Nailers was able to throw for 465 yards and six touchdowns, and he's not that great of a passer. Yeah. It looks like it hurts him when he throws the ball sometimes. It like it's it's, it's like, an effort. It really is. Like it was like Tim Tebow kind of had this where it kind of took all of his body to kind of with the long wind up and everything. Maybe it's a lefty thing. Maybe it, it tricks your eyes a little bit. Yeah. It, it's like this, like someone flipped to his film and like, he looks like a natural quarterback when, you know, you see a lefty throw like as a, yeah. as a righty. Uh, but I, that, that was probably the worst part of that game for me. was like, he, he beat like one of Quentin flowers records or something like that. He like moved closer to like beating another one. It's like fucking God, this guy's been in college for like, <laughs> He's got committed to USF when like Taggart was coaching. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, 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 he's seen more ball telling this. Yeah. He did um, fight you, Steve. This year, it feels like it. Um, but yeah, that's our show. I guess we'll do a phone room tomorrow. No. I haven't had internet to download the game, so oh darn. Maybe we'll do maybe we'll just do something else. Seth, we have some footage of a of a golden retriever movie. <laughs> this would be the week to do it. We can open that box. See if that, that guy that got a copyright strike, and they're like, "All right, you can post it. You just have to remove this section." And it was like from thirty five seconds into an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> they're like, "If you remove that, you're good." The unaired. 
the unaired Whoa. film room that's never All right, boys, I'm getting a, I'm getting a phone call for some reason. So All right. For Nathan, Seth, Nick, Steve, this has been the Blue Naughty Podcast. Go enjoy the rest of your nights. Go fucking bulls, baby. Go fucking bulls. Love you all. <laughs>